When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep. Hi, it's Simon Hughes. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And hooray, England have had a brilliant day in Melbourne, really taking the game to Australia, bowling them out for 327 and then knocking up 192 for two. The mainstays of the batting order, Alistair Cook and Joe Root, are still in residence. And Alistair Cook, highlight of the day, undoubtedly, Simon, getting to his 100, his 32nd 100 in the last over of the day. What a wonderful day for him. Well, it was a dramatic end to the day's play. The clock was ticking up towards 6 o'clock. Steve Smith decided to bowl himself, a gamble, obviously, because Smith is capable of bowling very good balls, but as a part-time bowler these days, he's also capable of bowling very bad balls. So the challenge was there for Cook. He was 93 not out, and in Cook's favour, Smith bowled a couple of awful deliveries, one a full toss, which... Cook clipped away right at the start of the over and after he'd nudged a two, Smith bowled him a, a long hop. Thanks very much indeed. I'll whack that to the boundary. And he duly did. And 100 for Cook in the last over of the day. He was pretty tired. There was no exuberant celebration. There was certainly not a Warner-like celebration, the leap in the air we saw from David Warner on the first day. Cook subdued celebration. It may well be that he was just tired. He'd been on the field for the whole match so far two full days in draining heat. It was hotter today in Melbourne than it was on the first day, and it was pretty hot on the first day as well. Subdued celebration for Cook. He's now got hundreds on all of Australia's test grounds. His first Ashes 100 since 2010-11. Wow. Yeah, well, that's a good omen, because he averaged uh, 127, I think, in that series. And I suppose it's fairly inevitable, perhaps, that Alistair Cook, the man who doesn't sweat prospers on probably the hottest day of the series so far the the guy who never changes his gloves and I remember when he scored that 100 in Adelaide in that 2010 series it was about 38 degrees and there wasn't a bead of sweat on him and he batted all day and you know even just sort of standing still you were absolutely muck wet through with sweat watching from the from the boundary side so he doesn't seem to like those really hot conditions. I suppose the, the pitch as well played into his hands a bit. I think he's looked a bit hurried by some of the Australian quick bowlers on the slightly quicker surfaces, Perth, for instance. And therefore, he's been a little bit uh, hesitant to come forward. He's been bounced out a couple of times over the last six months or so. And maybe, you know, when that gets into your mind, you sort of start having a bit of a concern about the quicker ball, the shorter ball, and then you don't get your movements into the ball, perhaps for the the fuller deliveries, quite as smooth. And I think your rhythm is out as a result. And he was sort of camped on the back foot almost at times in in this series. But this this game, with this slower pitch, with the the lesser bounce, also the lack of Mitchell Stark, which I think has has upset him a bit. He's, He's got that ability to produce that quicker delivery, that unplayable delivery from nowhere, and just catch the batsman trapped on the back foot, LBW, whatever, um, with with that slightly deceptive action. Without him in the Australian attack, it looked a little bit plainer. 
And uh, you know, also with batting, not, not that I'm you know the worldwide expert, but just sort of watching the, the way that that batsmen are tuned to a, to a pitch or a, a day's play. If you get one away early off the middle of the bat without much effort, you sort of start to believe it might be your day. And I thought there was a couple of shots he played. In fact, one very early on when he just flicked it away through square leg for his first boundary. And it was just a, a piece of the most felicitous timing, just a little nudge, and it raced to square leg to the fence. And, you know, when you hit shots like that or a couple of the straight drives he hit as well, you just think, oh, you know, but th- this batting's actually fun. It's not as onerous, as, as, as hazardous a task as as I've been finding over the last few weeks, it's actually enjoyable. And the ball flying off the middle of the bat without much effort can really give you this sort of pleasure. I remember sort of feeling it a couple of times in about 10 years. And, uh, and you know, it, it is a beautiful feeling and, and sort of nothing can hurt you as a result. He just looked almost invincible today, I thought. I think anyone who's played the game at any level will know that if you hit one in the middle of the bat, it's just such a lovely feeling. The ball just pings away. And you're right, that's what happened to Cook at the start of his innings today. And it gave him that confidence. When we saw Warner back yesterday, you just sensed that something good was in the offing for him very early on. And you got that impression from Cook today. You're right, no start to, to really test him out at the start. We've still got Hazelwood, he's a fine bowler. And Cummings as well. The Cummings had that stomach upset today, perhaps wasn't at, at full throttle, wasn't feeling that well. He was walking very slowly back to his mark. He looked like a, a bowler who was doing it for his captain. He was staying out there, but he, he looked like a bowler who wasn't 100%. And then you've got Jackson Bird, who's a, a clever bowler. He's got a good first-class record, but he isn't of the same quality and also the same angle as Stark as well. So Australia missed that left arm angle but excellent for Cook today there was just a, a sense of confidence that he, he exuded at the start and he took that throughout his innings and then we have that dramatic conclusion at the end of the day which has left England in a very good position if they can nail it down from here one more good day and they will be in an excellent position in this match it's a cliche isn't it about batting that, that it's a game of the mind but there's no doubt that you, you look at the way Cook played today there was a positive mindset about the way he approached the game from early on when he knocked away a couple of boundaries to generally looking to get onto the front foot to, to drive the ball on the up rather than waiting for it to be a full half volley. His movements were, were more ambitious, maybe, you know, just, just more certain in, in getting to the ball to hitting the, the slightly shorter ball through the, the mid-wicket area, putting away that favourite pull shot of his. Uh, look, look, there was a couple of shots. There was one off of Mitchell Marsh where he punched it down the ground with a kind of almost a top spin flick of the the bottom hand, and and it raced past the uh, the bowler for for four down the ground. Shots I've never seen him play before, but just obviously he decided that he needed to be a bit more positive in his approach. And you could see his scoring rate. Sometimes it, it dries up almost, but but here it was probably. 50 or something like that, 50 or even 60 at times per 100 balls, which is a good approach to play. And by the way, also Joe Root, in partnership with him, I thought played it the opposite way. He was a bit more measured to start with today, which I think is important for his overall future because at times he looked to try and be a little bit too aggressive at the, the ball early on outside off stump. You know, there's a couple of times today where he guided the ball through the slips for four, all along the ground, ter- perfectly in control. And those kind of balls, maybe in other test matches or in previous 
series, he might have tried to drive square the wicket or be a bit more aggressive. But here he was a bit more controlled and a bit more measured. And I think, again, I think that bodes well for for Root's uh, prosperity in, in this game and, and maybe in the series coming up. One more thing about Cook. He's, he's gone now to 32 test challenges, which of course is 10 more than any other England batsman has made. He's gone past Mahela Jai Warden of the Great Sri Lankan in the all-time hundreds makers list and he's level with Steve Waugh and he's only a couple away from Sunil Gavaskar which is a measure of how much he's achieved but actually in the all-time run makers list where he's in the top 10 he's the only opening batsman and I think that's a remarkable performance for somebody who's had to go in virtually the whole of his career face the new ball and often the second new ball as well and to have scored close to 12,000 runs now is an incredible achievement. You were in Perth, Simon. What was your sense there about Cook's future? Do you, do you think he needed evidence that he still got it against the top-class bowling that's around the world? And Australia clearly have got a top-class attack, even though Mitchell Stark is not available to them here because of his bruised heel. Do you think he was contemplating the end of his career? Well, if I, if I still can't do it against these bowlers in this series, you know, get to the end of this Ashes series, well, I think about giving up you know I need I need some evidence to convince myself I can still do it. I still got the still got the drive to do well to go out there and open the batting for him he's still prepared to do all the hard work that you have to do the fitness work and, and the batting in the nets but if the scores are still low you know do I still am I still worth my place can I convince myself that I'm still worth my place and I suppose also as well to some extent can I convince everybody else that I'm still worth my place well, what was your sense in Perth well, absolutely. I think there's plenty of self-doubt there. I, I thought the dismissal to Stark in the first innings in Perth, where he was beaten for pace by a straight half ollie, which most of his career he would have driven down the ground or flicked through mid-wicket or whatever, uh, would have definitely increased those self-doubts. I mean, I watched him practice in Perth as well, and I thought his movements were a bit stuttery, and he, he, there was an uncertainty about some of his play generally. He was not looking to play the pull shot too much in the nets. He was almost looking to kind of get out of the way. I just thought it, he was searching for something, and obviously you don't ever know whether the, if that thing that you had will come back again. And it's only time in the middle and facing these fine bowlers and seeing how your mental and physical uh, faculties are coping with that environment still that can, will convince you that, that you're able to carry on. So undoubtedly he would have had self-doubts. And you look at his scores in the series, only one score in the 30s and a couple of failures at Brisbane and generally no d decent return. He hasn't had a, a lot of runs over the last 12 months apart from that massive score against the West Indies at Edgebaston. So of course the doubts are there. And he, he's got to the age of 33. Of course he's very fit, which is one great thing. He's also hugely respected by the team. And, you know, generally they want him to carry on, of course. He also knows that there is a, a bit of a dearth of other opening batsmen in English cricket that could step up to this sort of level. So all those things considered would have given him some confidence. But until you actually find that rhythm, that that style, that, that enjoyment of batting in the middle in a, in a high-caliber environment like the MCG on a Boxing Day test match... I don't think you can convince yourself to carry on. But, of course, now he'll be feeling top of the world. Yeah, over 65,000 people there to see it today. Whether they all stayed on for what was the, the dramatic moment of the day, I, I, I'm not sure. People tend to 
file out of the ground towards the close of play because it was a very hot day and quite demanding for spectators. At least a contest today as well. I think that was the other thing. Okay, even if England had been 160 for five at the close of play, just that sense of a contest between bat and ball, between England and Australia, it's been a bit too one-sided. England have been in decent positions at times. But today England got it together with the bat and the ball. Without doubt their best day of the series. But of course it's come you know, a couple of days after the Ashes has been lost. So that's obviously uh, disappointing. But a, a contest and a great chance to, to win, actually win the game from here. The other thing as well today, we didn't just see Cook, one of the old guard, do well. We saw another of the old guard do well as well after Stuart Broad produced 0 for 142 in the last test match. His worst test figures back with four wickets, four for 51 from 28 overs as well and 10 maidens. <laughs> Stuart Broad, he hasn't taken a fifer since he ran through South Africa in Johannesburg nearly two years ago. He had a chance to do it today but Jimmy Anderson nipped in with the last wicket. We've talked about Alistair Cook's present and future. What about Stuart Broad? Well, I, I said after the Perth test that I thought probably he was coming to the end of his test career. And I still believe that, actually, even though he's got four wickets today and well done to him. And no doubt that he put a lot of hard work in in preparation for this test match. But I think the, uh, the raw ingredients he's got for bowling aren't as highly skilled, if you like, as, as Jimmy Anderson. He hasn't got that fingertip control, that ability to swerve the ball either way, uh, that, that sort of natural rhythm to his bowling uh, that, that Anderson has. Broad is more about effort and, and about you know, getting his knees pumping and perhaps getting the, the thirst for wickets in batches, which he sometimes does produce. I just don't think his basic skills are enough to sustain his test career for, for too much longer. And that's not to say that he won't still take some wickets, uh, obviously uh, in this test match and perhaps when he goes to New Zealand after this series, because those conditions might suit him better. But I think he relies a little bit too much on something in the pitch Whereas Anderson, who who is the master of swing and seam, I think he can still go on for another couple of years. And look at him today, three wickets. He's now gone past Courtney Walsh uh, in the all-time wicket-taking list. He's only got Glenn McGrath ahead of him as a fast bowler in the all-time test wicket-taking list. Incredible performance. 133 test matches, 521 wickets. He's still charging in like a gazelle and giving batsmen nightmares in in suitable conditions when the ball does a little bit through the air and off the pitch I mean he is an incredible survivor in in this environment and I I just I I so admire the perseverance really and the longevity as well as the the hunger for wickets consistently and well Glenn McGrath 42 wickets ahead in that list I reckon Anderson can do that in a year and a half and also, people talked about him in this series. You know, he's not very effective in Australia. He's actually picked up 15 wickets at 24, and he's gone at 2.3 runs per over, which are, are good returns out here for an England bowler. What they don't have, of course, is just someone lightning fast at the other end to to back him up, and that is the the key thing. They just don't have that extra pace to ruffle Australia's tail today. Of course, last five out for 13. First time in the series they've. They've rolled Australia's tail out quickly. They're doing the sort of thing that Australia have done to them throughout the series. And that's what you get with, with quick bowlers. Just imagine, if you will, for a moment, I'm sure lots of people have imagined it over the last uh, five weeks or so. Just imagine 
Anderson there, but also with someone or even two bowlers with real pace at the other end as well. That you know that would give you a, a formidable attack here in Australia. It's something that England have lacked. Anyway, two days gone in this Test match. Uh, it feels like you know now or never to win a, a match in this series. Three down already. Sydney to come. What an opportunity they have. Yeah, and I felt actually from the moment that Steve Smith dragged one on today, this morning, I thought this just has a chance of being England's day. They found a bizarre way of getting Steve Smith out and then Mitchell Marsh was out soon after the same kind of way. And I often think actually with drag-ons, you know, where a batsman goes for a cut or a a drive off the back foot and and gets a bottom edge into the stumps, I always think that means it's a slowish pitch, it's a lowish pitch, there's not much carry, uh, which plays into England's hands. It plays into their 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 approach to to just be very accurate with the ball and and, st- and plug away outside off stump and, and wait for mistakes rather than forcing wickets or contriving wickets by pace, which is obviously what Australia have done throughout the series. It it, it was a, a pitch which you know ironically in the the cauldron of the Australian cricket MCG the the ninety thousand amphitheatre often has a habit of producing a pitch that helps the opposition more than it does the home side. And I thought Australia all along, apart from David Warner, have struggled a bit on this pitch. And England contriving a way of getting Steve Smith out and winkling out the tail. And then a pitch which, without the pace and and bounce of other surfaces, is much more suitable to England batsmen. Uh, They're in a great spot now if they just carry this on tomorrow. And, of course, the thing is... England have had little spells in this series, but they haven't managed to string them together. So what they have to do now is string this excellent day today together with a couple more tomorrow, and they can actually win this Test match. Yeah, a lead of... What's not being too greedy? A lead of of 70, say? I mean, they'll they'll like more than that if they possibly can. If this partnership between Root and Cook continues, then then who knows where it could take them. We've still got Bairstow and Milan to come as well. Moeen Ali, we've seen uh, some of the senior players step up so far in this test match. I wonder if, if Moen can do that. He hasn't been very effective in this game with the ball. So th- those are the players to come. It might not be quite uh, Moen's surface, but there is some batting to come. We've got two guys who are in who have built big scores already. Just the possibility of England getting a lead of uh, 100. I mean, if you really are greedy, you could say 150, then the pressure is on Australia on this surface. And what we haven't seen is that real pressure on Australia so far in this series. Can they drag themselves back into the game again? They've done it on other occasions against England. Remembering the 310 before, after the first day in Perth, everyone thought, wow, wow, what an opportunity this ring is for England. And then a couple of days later, or three, three days later, England have lost the match by, by an inning. So that, that's the challenge for Australia. I mean, are they, how good is this Australian side? Well, I think we might find out in the next... Uh, two or three days, if they can come back from this position and you know, take your hat off to them to do well and possibly even go on and win the game from this situation without Mitchell's start, well, that will be something. Yeah, I agree. And I think the one thing in England's favour is that there's not going to be anybody really anxious about the short ball on this pitch. Moen Ali coming in at number seven, players like Broad down the order, they won't have to worry quite so much about the ball singeing their earlobes on this track because it just hasn't got the venom and the, the bounce that other surfaces have. The bowlers have to bowl it really, really short to get it up head high. 
without without that in the equation, a, a batsman like Moen can go out with a, a lot more confidence. So I expect on this pitch he might actually make a, a decent contribution, and England could get a, a, a substantial lead. Three hundred and twenty-seven does look really quite below par on a, a fairly placid sort of pitch. I would expect England to to aim for four fifty. So a day of patience on the third day, and England potentially in a winning position in this Test match. You could say it's too little, too late, but at least it's something to cling on to after what's been a a desperately disappointing series for England. Absolutely right. And uh, as you say, you know, it's a, a late Christmas present, but let's enjoy it while it lasts. And we'll speak to you tomorrow and and hope for an equally good day for England to put us all in good spirits for the new year. Sports Social Podcast Network.